The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for being on our show today, listening to us. And I just want to uh, reiterate how much I love getting your comments and your your feedback and those of you that are following us on Facebook and on our blog. Really appreciate it. You can go to templehaze.com to stay in touch and find out all the various things that we're doing, including our weekly radio show. I'm thrilled today that we have uh, an honored author uh, we've had him uh, more than one occasion on Unity Campus. He is uh, leading edge, provocative, and gives new insight each and every time that I hear him speak or, or read excerpts from his book, Greg Lavoy. Uh, Greg, welcome to our show today. Thanks so much. Delighted to be here. And thank you so much for being with us. Now, so many people in our listening audience, they know uh, about your book, The Callings. How long has the book, The Callings, been out? Uh, 18 years now. Wow. I know. It's enough, enough to give me an existential crisis. That's in, that, I find that shocking. I thought I was <laughs> aware of it when it first came out, and it's been that long? Yeah, 1997. Wow. I know. Well, that book... I hear so many people, so many different genres talk about how that book helped them really get in touch with their vocation, uh, where they were putting their purpose and their passion in life. Um, In looking at that, what led you to want to write the new book, Vital Signs? Well, I... uh... The way that worked is that after I finished writing Callings, um, I hit a wall I had never hit in my professional life before, and that was burnout. I think it was a function of how I went about writing that book, which was two years alone in a room, um, which is good for getting work done, not great for work-life balance. Um, And so I took a five-year moratorium from writing, and I just went – uh, on the road, largely on behalf of the, the Callings book. And uh, after about five years, I, s- I sat down to start writing again. And uh, I promised myself that I wasn't writing a book, uh, didn't need to be writing a book. I was just going to write essays about subjects that fascinated me. And a few years down the road, maybe I would look back and see if there were any threads. And that's exactly what I did. I spent six months each writing these really involved essays about various subjects. And uh, three or four years into doing that, I started to notice a a pattern. And the pattern was that all the subjects were about passions of one kind or another. So that's kind of how the Vital Signs book came about. It was a 
the result of years and years of just following my own fascinations as a writer and a researcher. I love the title. Was there a particular way in which the, the title came about? Uh, you know, I brainstormed that title for years. I've probably went through 30 or 40 different titles. And um, that one just popped into my head one morning. Uh, it's amazing. You can sit down and do brainstorming session after brainstorming session uh, and put a lot of deliberate effort into coming up with something. But then sometimes it just pops in. And that right. particular title just felt right and has continued to feel right. Well, I love it very much. And when you Google, you know, your book comes up right up front. And then underneath it are how to recognize vital signs of whether you're having a heart attack or a stroke. Right. Or, or shall we say a crisis in life? And if through reading various things about your book, I'm, I'm getting that if people will follow the book Vital Signs, The Nature and Nurture of Passion, um, more than likely they won't need to go through those next phases of vital signs. That's what I'm kind of getting from it um, overall, you know. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. What, you're suggesting that if they don't follow their passions, they're going to they're gonna have to be dealing with the secondary kind, the, the well, physical I'm, symptoms? As a metaphysical person, I would never make that claim or put that out there, but I'm saying that when you look at people that are ageless, more energetic, uh, more, uh-huh. vibrant, more dynamic, uh, they have more life force within them, mm. uh, less uh, medical challenge issue, it tends to be people that are really following and living their passion. I see. You know, it's interesting uh, you should mention that. Uh, you know who Jean Houston is, right? Oh, yeah. Um, she, she once said that um, people who are described as larger than life are not that way because they are uh, physically imposing or something or, or particularly heroic or charismatic or... Uh, leading great revolutions or that sort of thing. She said people who are larger than life are are those who are, and this is her quote, profoundly present to the stuff of their lives. Mm. And I'm really struck by that mm-hmm. because uh, I think living a passionate life is very much about that. It is about being profoundly present to everything that arises, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and um, to really find some fascination, some curiosity, some something of interest in everything that arises. And I just really appreciated that definition because it makes it much more accessible for us mere mortals. It, it is. It's a very powerful statement. And we allude often to the, to the value of being in the now. And yet it is very powerful. And, and you can sense, you know, when people are totally present, um, in the moment, that, that's for sure. Uh, finds it examines endless, the truthful tug-of-war between passion and security in our lives, the wild in us and the tame, our natural selves and the conditioned selves, and the book shows us how to stay engaged with the world and resist the downward pulling forces that can drain our aliveness. I mean, that is a big paragraph there, uh, <laughs> and certainly one that is where I think a lot of people are um, currently. Yeah. Yeah. I find this interesting is 
now maybe this is partly selective perception because I have focused on the subject of passion for ten years, and um, but I, I uh, I've, it seems to me that this is a topic of discussion a lot in a lot of different arenas um, in the last ten or fifteen years. Uh, I, I see leadership and business folks talking about things like employee engagement. I'm seeing uh, educators and teachers talking about being passionate learners and passionate teachers. Those are the titles of two books. And being um, uh, lifelong learners. I'm hearing career development people, coaching folks, talking about uh, following callings. Um, And, of course, couples are endlessly talking about getting the spark back. So I'm hearing this discussion um, and and occasionally I get asked in interviews, why so much focus on passion in the last bunch of years? And one of the first things that popped into my head when I was first asked the question is that I think it's kind of the flip side of our current cultural fascination with zombies and vampires. Wow. Yeah. And the reason I say that, and I did a little bit of research on, on this this. Um, this fascination that we seem to have. And I discovered that something like 50,000 books have been written about those two subjects in the last 20 years and over 500 movies and TV shows. And I think that this fascination <laughs> is probably, I mean, there's a little bit of an apocalyptic thing in there, I think, but I think that um, this is largely our, our collective fear of being sucked of our life force and left in a catatonic state. And I think that the way that we're living, the way that our the culture often has, as, as you know, you quoted all these downward pulling forces, all these impediments to self-expression and authenticity and whatnot. Um, I think this partly explains the fascination we have with zombies and vampires, um, because these are, you know, and I think it's no coincidence that pretty much every culture has got a word for vampire. Some creature that's some force or creature that's so needy that it's, it drains the life force out of other creatures, and I think that there's something that we need to look at individually as well as collectively about where do we find our life force being drained out of us. That that might be an an initial question to ask in terms of what is the state of my own vitality and my own. Um, spark, if you will, is to begin to look at where it, where you lose it, you know, where it drains out. I, uh, I, I came up with a list a few years ago of some of the, the places I had identified in my own life where it drains out. Things like socializing out of guilt. Things like driving in rush hour traffic when I didn't need to be. Um, you know, things like doing my own taxes instead of farming it out. Uh, you know what I'm saying? On and on, okay. just to begin to identify places where, where I could uh, do something about it in the moment. And I think that's really where the cultivation of passion happens best is in the moment, the decision, the, you know, not the, not the five-year plan. You also passion is in the rift. Um, and in the willingness to step from the sidelines onto the playing field. Yeah. Do you feel, um, I mean, I get a sense, and I highlighted this in, in my book, is that 
uh, often it seems that people are somewhat robotic. Um, I'll give you a, a simple and almost silly example. I was in Europe a couple of weeks ago, and I went to uh, wait in the restroom line uh, to go to the bathroom, and there was an empty stall there in the airport. And so I said to the two or three women in front of me, well, that one's open, right? There were like eight stalls, and there's one so open. And I said to her, I said, so that one's open. Don't you want to go in there? And she said, well, nobody else is. <laughs> and I walked huh. over. I walked over, and I looked, and I said, well, it's fine. Don't you want to go in there? And she said, well, nobody else has been using it. And I said, well, fine. If you're not going to use it, then I'm going to go ahead. Wow. But just because no one else in the line was taking the risk and walking over there, it had nothing wrong with it. It was just as clean as any I've ever seen. She was just following the tribe. Do you know what I mean? And I thought, now that's a big lesson because that's how a lot of people, uh, it seems, live life. They're just kind of watching what someone before them is doing or didn't do, and they're kind of going ho-hum from it. And you're addressing that from the level of that's how uh, we can easily lose our passion is when we're not into our originality. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. Yeah, we've lost something in terms of, uh, of self-initiative somewhere along the line, a lot of us in any case. And, you know, I, I, I get it in one sense. Uh, it, you know, the world can be a scary place. Going into, you know, the unknown. I used to have this old daguerreotype map, for instance, on the wall in my office. And it showed a picture of the world uh, as it was conceived back in what they called the, uh, the Age of Discovery, which was 1500s, 1600s. And we've all seen this, these old maps at the edges of the known territory. The old cartographers used to draw pictures of, dragons and monsters and uh, ships uh, you know whose masts are entangled with the, the giant tentacles of squid or something like that you know and 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 I had this on my office wall to remind me that this is our sort of collective and historical attitude toward the unknown you know whether it's a bathroom stall or or literally the you know the great unknown is we're terrified we're naturally maybe even anthropologically terrified of it, what's beyond the campfire. Um, and so it, this is kind of wired into us to be cautious, and we have to take that into account. It's not just cowardice. Uh, I mean, the fight-or-flight response is a good example of that. But we also live in a code orange world, and we've just come out of a great recession, and um, security is of the utmost importance to people, Unfortunately, I, 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 my point in the Vital Science book is simply that, that um, we, you know, in the contest between passion and security, security just tends to win, and and passion tends to kind of get backburnered, and I think that's a, a dangerous state of affairs if it's chronic, you know, if it's acute fight or flight stuff, you just got to bat in the hatches. That's, you know, it's one thing when it's kind of just it's circumstantial, but when it's existential, this is your default position. That's another story. You know, when your, your default position is just to kind of withdraw into a safe cranny, um, then I think you're, you're kind of 
passion-driven movement into the world is being obstructed, and you're you're in danger of grinding to a halt. Um, you know, so to the degree that growth and engagement and passion and participation are important to people, I think it it bears looking at this equation of how much security and how much passion and what kind of a life do I want to live? Uh, Greg, when you think about and speak about the word passion, are there other words that you would say are equal or remind you of passion? Yeah, sure. I suppose, you know, what I'm talking about is what people refer to when they talk about spark, mojo, life force, um, having your groove on, you know, being in the zone, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's that, that kind of life force, that kind of vitality that we, that we have and that comes and goes in our lives. Um, and frankly, I'm also defining passion as, as a survival mechanism because in, after doing all my research, I realized that really does describe the function of it because um, our attachment to life depends on our interest in it. You know what I'm saying? Our sense of curiosity, just baseline curiosity, our sense of enthusiasm and, and gratitude and contribution and such. So I think engagement is a big part of the definition of, of passion. Simply being engaged in your life and not bystanding. Not being on those sidelines. Uh, for those of you that are just coming in, I'm talking with Greg Lavoie. He is the author of Callings, and now with his new book, as of this past year, Vital Signs, which is sweeping the country and is immensely successful. You can go to his website, Greg Lavoie, that's with two Gs, G-R-E-G-G, Lavoie.com, and find out more information about him. I'm going to take the moment and thank all of you who continue to support Unity Online Radio. It truly is the voice of an awakening world. We'll be right back after this short break. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. Affirm the good that flows within you and stretch to reach your divine potential with daily inspirational messages from Daily Word. The path to God is not long or difficult or complex. Wherever I am, whatever I am doing, I pause and bring awareness to the one spirit that is within me. I open my mind to the thought of one creative energy enlivening me in the world. I open my heart to the one love that is the essence of life. This love, God's love, is within us all. Spirit needs no books or rituals, wealth or architecture to reveal itself. It is as intimate as a touch and as vast as the infinity of space. I am at peace in the simple knowing that wherever I am, God is. Daily Word magazine is now available in a digital format. 
A one-year subscription to Daily Word Digital Magazine with audio is only $9.95. That's less than three cents a day to start your day right, centered and connected to the truth within you. To learn how you can subscribe to this online interactive magazine, go to www.dailyword.com. Benefits of spiritually conscious living start now. For a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential, tune in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone. And we are learning a lot about passion today or lack of, depending on where you happen to be in the moment, with Greg with his new book, Vital Signs. Uh, Greg, we were talking about the different aspects of passion. And I I thank you for uh, going through the exercise of naming different words, because I think you know, sometimes people assume what we mean by a certain word or like when I talk about inspirational and being inspired, you know, sometimes people will say, oh, am I supposed to be off the ceiling like you are in energy and, you know, out loud everything? And it's like, no, you know, that's not what I mean by that. You know, we all show it in different ways. But yeah. I love the various examples that you used and um it, it's so true that that ultimately passion is intimately related to health, isn't it? Oh, I think so. I mean, just because it's about vitality, and that word literally refers to life, you know. So, uh, yeah, so absolutely. I mean, in all different kinds of health, not just physical health, but um, but emotional health as well. And uh, and you know, at at, at the far extreme, though. Uh, I should share this. I uh, have you ever heard of a place called the Institute of Noetic Sciences? Does that ring a bell? Oh yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. Out in yeah, they're big. They're big here. They're all oh, over. Yes. Uh-huh. Wonderful. Well, yes. the Institute of Noetic and Noetic referring to, I think, consciousness studies, noetic st- sciences. They're out in Petaluma, California. There was there was an organization actually started by an astronaut, uh, Edgar Mitchell, to yep. study human potential, and um, they have the world's largest database of spontaneous remissions, all right, from disease. In other words, ones that can't be explained by, uh, by uh, traditional medical treatment. And they have 3,500 cases from physicians all over the world of what they call remarkable recoveries. And um, I got a chance to spend some time with that database years and years ago because I did a story about it for, remember Omni Magazine? Uh-huh. Popular Absolutely. science magazine? Yeah. Well, I got a chance to spend some time with that database, and what jumped out at me um, 
as a researcher and a journalist about that database was that in a statistically significant number of cases, what immediately preceded a spontaneous remission was often a profound and affirmative personal change in the person's life. So this could be uh, a revelatory experience. It could be a reconciliation with some long-despised parent. It could be finally taking radical responsibility for your own life. It could be unearthing some long-buried passion, some what... what um, poet by the name of W.H. Auden calls your foiled creative fire. And, um, and so I, I mentioned that in the context of your question about health and passion, because here was an example of profound change in people's health for the better when they were willing, finally, and able to make a profound and affirmative personal change. Um, and so one of the questions we might ask ourselves is, is there some change that I could make in my life that would be profound and affirmative that would, if nothing else, would have a healing effect on my life, if not my body, all right? And, and I think that speaks volumes about the connection between passion and health, is to what degree is there some long-buried expression, something on the inside that needs to get out, something that needs to be reconciled, um, some, some powerful change that I could make that would have a healing impact. Um, so I, I just think of that when I, when I think of your question. But, you know, in a very basic sense, clinically speaking, in terms, in terms of health consequences, um, clinically speaking, uh, holding up defenses is hard physical labor, and it is draining, all right? And what I mean by holding up defenses is holding ourselves back from expressing ourselves or inhibiting ourselves from being our free-flowing selves. Um, this is literally hard physical labor. And from what I was able to find in my research, the constant in inhibition of yourself and your self-expression tends to weaken immune, heart, and nervous systems. So, I mean, that's something I don't mean to, I don't, mean, I don't say that in, in order to scare people, but there is a connection between inhibition and dis-ease. And there's a connection between revealing and healing, for that matter. I found quite a few studies that show that um, cancer patients, for instance, split into two groups, double-blind study. One, uh, one filled out a journal on a regular basis. One did not. Those who filled out the journals, in other words, got to express and experiment with their emotions around it, tended to heal faster, get out of the hospital quicker, and cost everybody less money. And so wow, that's neat. That's significant. I think it's very significant, you know. But you know, and I think expressiveness is one of the subsets of of living passionately, and that's why that study speaks to me. So wow. definitely, so definitely health issues involved in living passionately. It, it's like we're when we think about it in some ways it's it's like we're bringing in so many of the elements of our natural childlike state aren't we but I'm sorry I your voice faded out there bringing in so much of what uh, the qualities of when we were a child mm. um, that energy of living in the present moment 
um, just living with what's right in front and moving forward and just putting your whole self in and just, you know, willing to get excited and be in awe of what lies right in front of you. Um, there, there is some of that, that, that goes on. And as we become, you know, more aged or mature, um, often it seems we start giving up some of those things that bring us such joy. For example, being in nature, uh, or more balanced. I know for me, Greg, when I'm the most striving and happiest is when I'm, I'm really balanced, you know, within the calendar of work, play, workout, um, art, entertainment, you know, the broad range of doing various things and playing different roles in my life, not just wearing one or two hats. Right. It's kind yeah. of old pretty quick because you start feeling like you're just, you're here to work or you're here I mean, people, you know, get so much into, I need to serve, I need to serve. Uh, after a while, you're so tapped out, you know, who's serving what? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Especially those of us in any kind of service work, whether it's ministry um, or working in healthcare, any profession where you're teaching, um, social activism, where you're working for other people or on behalf of other people, um, is famous for knocking the wind out of people. And uh, I think this is the caring for the caregiver portion of the show. Uh, but, but I agree. I mean, I, I agree that balance is essential. And this is a stinker sometimes because if you're wired to be a worker, if not a workaholic like a lot of us are, and like I have been in, at times in my life, um, Work-life balance or having the kind of balance you described between a variety of arenas requires that you stop working to some degree. And whatever else you're doing, you're not spending time building your empire. And that's really hard for people who are in that empire-building phases of life um, to realize that the time I spend with my kids or with my partner or with my health or in the natural world or being contemplative is time I'm not spending building my career. And that can be a hard one to swallow. Uh, but there are so many avenues through which we can express who we are. And uh, I think it's one of the great cliches of aging that people realize that work is not everything and that they start moving toward uh, more sort of people-oriented or service-oriented uh, or even sometimes self-oriented uh, work in the in the second half of life. I just came back from uh, taking a retreat out in uh, California, uh, Mount Shasta. I spent five days in a cabin in the woods and uh, 12 to 15 hours a day outside in the big wilderness. And I, and I, uh, my feeling after having done that is that sometimes retreat is as important as advance. In, just in terms of our our sanity and our souls and our perspective, and just the it's like the the discipline to stop being disciplined and work oriented. I think it's critical, and you know, rediscovering as you you know initially asked the question, rediscovering some of the the benedictions of you know what Buddhists call beginner's mind which all of us had when we were kids. 
you know, uh, turning over rocks to see what's underneath them, looking into, into puddles to see, uh, you know, whole worlds down there. You know, there's just so many ways of being, uh, of cultivating beginner's mind or lifelong learnership that just go by the wayside as we get older and we get, um, you know, just focused on keeping our heads above water and paying the bills and getting the kids off to school and whatnot. That's such a beautiful energy, right? When we're when we're in that consciousness as well. It's I liken it to like, you know, in the early days of when you're so passionately in love and you don't need a lot of sleep. Right. <laughs> Oblivious to what time it is or anything. Um you're just into that vibrancy of, of living and Absolutely. and Putting your one, best self, you know. Absolutely. I think one of the questions that I sometimes ask people in the, in the vital science workshops is, um, is about being in a flow state. Uh, most people know about this uh, as a, a state where you're absolutely absorbed in something. You're focused, you're absorbed, you're oblivious to external stimuli, um, and, and you're content even when it's hard. So I ask people to... Name a couple of places in their lives where they experience a flow state, even if it's just for a few minutes at a time, um, whether it's sitting at the piano or being with their kids or um, working on some project in the basement or whatever it happens to be. But just to start to name the places in your life where you do experience um, passion and flow and pleasure and uh, novelty and discovery, to say nothing of gratitude. And I think part of coming back to life the way that many of us uh, apparently want to is about naming when we do, where we do, how we do, what, what specific activities bring us into a state of feeling pleasure or um, discovery or flow or whatever. And the other part in uh, relationship to what you're saying is, I think, for for each of us to give ourselves permission to share that with people around us of of what is important for us to fulfill our passion. Uh, something as subtle as uh, some people just love to go out to eat at restaurants. I'm not one of those people. You know, if I seen someone in 10 years and they go, oh, let's meet at a restaurant. I said, I'd rather cook for you. <laughs> mm, mm, so mm-hmm. be intimate so we can share. So we're not limited nor interrupted by any of the, the elements around us. And I think it's uh, crucial that we communicate with people what gives us passion and what takes away from it. Oh, absolutely. Feeling, you know. And I'm right. sure you have um, many examples of that. That was just one that came to mind um, yeah. for me. Um, but that was hard initially to, to break that barrier of really <laughs> saying what I wanted and what I needed and what was right. important. Right. And we just tend to get everybody around us is psychic, and not everybody is. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a great example. And I think it is important to to share with the people who are around you, especially people who are likely to be affected 
by any changes in your lifestyle and how you go about things um, to share with them what what brings you pleasure and what doesn't. I mean, this is one of the great, it seems to me one of the great truths of relationship generally is your partner, your friends, these are not mind readers. You know, they, they, don't, they can't necessarily intuit exactly what you need and you need to be willing to come out and say, this works for me, this doesn't work, I like this, I don't like that, this feels good, this doesn't feel good. And, and this is the same thing as saying, look, this is what brings me pleasure, this is what um, turns me on, this is what makes me feel passionate about life. Um, is that something you want to do with me or not? Is it something you can at least support me in doing or not? But I'm just a big believer in not, generally speaking, not isolating ourselves with whatever's going on. You know, it's easy to isolate and try to figure these things all, all by ourselves. But uh, I'm a big believer in the power of going public, you know, sharing it not just with, with um, the, the people closest to you, but submitting some of these challenges to community, you know, um, to, because I think community can play a profound role in the unfolding of people's passions in life. Uh, I'm thinking of the, the, the Quaker tradition of clearness committees. It's a perfect example. These are designed specifically to help people get clarity about callings. So um, giving yourself over to a clearness committee for a couple of hours and letting them help you gain clarity about where to go next or a uh, personal board of advisors, you know, what Barbara Sher calls dream teams. Mm -hmm. You uh, pull together a, a 10 people from your community, and you ask them if they will commit to six months of monthly meetings. And the deal is they come over to your house, you cook a home-cooked meal for them in your case, um, or in my case, you just feed them expensive ice cream. And <laughs> Yeah, and, and then you retire to your dining room table for two hours, and they have to ask you questions, give you feedback, and give you homework. And that's their job description. Uh, or even just a brainstorming group. You know. But in other words, the point is don't isolate. Um, gently submit yourself to the, just the, the benedictions of community to help move you forward and going public and being, being more accountable and getting support and love and resources and ideas and momentum. So I think it's important to, to share these things. And of course, it requires a certain amount of vulnerability, in which case I recommend Brene Brown's work. You know, the woman who wrote Daring Great. Oh, yeah, yeah. Her work is just uh, really, really profound. She really pulled it out Boy. and has uh, moved in touch so many people um for those of you that are also thinking uh if you just have some good one-on-one -on -one consultation uh greg offers an hour of phone consultations to individuals wanting to really probe deeper and look at um, some of the issues around life um, either profound or ways that you would like to improve and you can find that on his website greg LaVoyLevow.com. I want to thank all of you for continuing to share with your friends about our radio show, The Intentional Spirit. If you like what you're hearing in these types of conversations, you can join us at unitycampus.org. 
Also, follow me on templehaze.com. We'll be right back after this short break. Looking for the spiritual in your everyday life? Searching for meaning in the meaningless? Check out the book, Rants to Revelations, by Reverend Ogan Holder. Using his characteristic wit, humor, and storytelling, Reverend Ogan brings spiritual insight into practically every arena of human life. From issues of spiritual growth and family life to deep theological concerns about God and reality, he combines personal narrative with philosophical and scientific understanding to bring a fresh perspective into the life of faith in today's postmodern world. Pick up a copy of Rants to Revelations today from www.rantstorevs.com. If I were brave, I'd walk the razor's edge Where fools and dreamers dare to tread And never lose faith How is life working for you? Would it be okay with you if life got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful and vibrant? Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for Vibrant Living. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests We'll share strategies and solutions designed to make your life more vibrant. Is there something in your life you'd like help with? A dream you'd like to achieve? A relationship you'd like to improve? Call into the show toll-free for Coaching with Carla. That's Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if we're all meant to do what we secretly dream? We now return to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone. We're talking with Greg Lavoie. You can go to his website. It's the same as his name, author of Callings, as well as the new dynamic book, Vital Signs. We're talking about passion. Um, Greg, one of the things that came to mind earlier when we were talking is I was thinking about how, you know, for many of us, such as yourself, and I, I know for me, um, there's so much that I love about what I do, that sometimes I become kind of clueless as to how I need to have more downtime. Mm. So uh, share with us some of your wisdom around around that, how sometimes you can do too much uh, of your passion and be out of balance as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because uh, the fact is there is a distinction between healthy passion and unhealthy passion. And I think there's a a difference between being called and being driven. And these can sometimes be pretty subtle, and it's hard to tell when one has sort of morphed into the other, uh, when healthy passion has turned into unhealthy. But I know that, you know, in doing research for vital signs, I know I ran across um, descriptions of what's called 
harmonious versus obsessive passion. That's the language that these researchers used. And harmonious passion is uh, you're in more of a flow state. You're experiencing uh, flexible persistence towards some, some desired activity or goal. And then obsessive passion is when it's persistence at any cost. You know, your uh, passion has begun controlling you rather than the other way around. And your sense of identity and self-esteem, for that matter, are all wrapped up in performance. And so I think it's important to kind of monitor, to gently monitor this as we're going along to see when the harmonious passion has kind of tilted over into a being obsessive, in which case we probably need to re- you know, hit the reset button and maybe take a break, back away, um, take a walk, do a meditation, experience some non-work mode of expression, something like that. Uh, but, uh, and also because I'm noticing that I'm being invited to more and more um, conferences and things on what's called successful aging, um, I should address this. People who, who are ruled by obsessive passion throughout their life tend to really hit a wall when they retire because so much of their identity and self-esteem is wrapped up in performance, because they're so used to working at a, just an absolutely fibrillating level of activity that when they retire, uh, it's like the car stops, but the passenger doesn't. It's like a head-on collision, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, these people experience a lot more anxiety and frustration and um, just, you know, psychological adjustment problems when they experience the cessation of this passionate work life of theirs. Um, so I, I just think that's something to address as well. And, you know, on the other hand, and I saw this happen with my mother, that um, people um, can have such busy, active lives that look very impressive, by the way, from the outside looking in, that when they retire, as my mom did, after being a stockbroker for years and years, she, uh, she just immediately started circling the drain. And I think what she discovered is that she had a uh, kind of a core of depression inside of her that had been kept in check all those years by her busy life. You know, and when that, that busy life stopped, or even when it slows down, I think some of the depression can come to the fore. And, uh, and I wonder for how many people, especially in, say, retirement, that they, did make, they make that discovery. That's very powerful. I, I still am kind of um, focusing a little bit on, on when you said the profound statement, there's a difference between the passion with the calling and being driven. Mm. And I, I like that very much. I, in, in reference to with your, your mom of driven, driven, you know, right in front of me, next, next, next. Right. Um, and it would be insightful um, after reading your book, some of the takeaways that people would have about how to stay in touch with that. Yeah, I think, uh, I think this probably falls under the heading of simply 
as almost a, a kind of a practice is taking stock. Some kind of practice where you're stepping outside and looking back in through the shop window, as it were, and at your own life. And so it's a, it's a, a continual form of vigilance, I suppose, where you're just saying, how am I doing? What needs shifting? What course corrections do I need to make? What fine tunings? Uh, what's working and what's not working? So it's just a continual self-reflective um, muscle that we just can keep strengthened that can help us not paint ourselves into corners and, uh, and, and, and figure out when a calling has turned into a, you know, a state of drivenness that is not necessarily healthy. I think drivenness is fine, generally speaking, for short bursts. Um, but as a lifestyle, it, it definitely has its drawbacks. And, uh, and I say that just partly from my own experience, of coming from a long line of workaholics, you know. So I just think this, uh, some kind of a self-reflective mechanism needs to be in place so that we don't end up way out on a limb somewhere. And having uh, good relationships or um, good friendships that are willing to tell you, uh, take a time out. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, I think those are worth their weight in gold. You know, I uh, got a, a couple of people in my life who, you know, you've heard the term mentors. Well, I would call these tour mentors. In the sense oh, that, that's cool. You know, there, there are people who are willing to challenge the queen or challenge the king. There are people who are <laughs> willing to say, you know, this is kind of what I see going on here. You might want to look at this. Uh, <laughs> but there's not just the there, there types, the comforters, the nurturers, and those are wonderful. But the people who are willing to really get in your face and challenge you and say, is, is what you're doing serving you? It's not that it bothers me or inconveniences me. It's not necessarily about that. It's is this, you know, as Dr. Phil loves to say, how's that working for you? And I, I think those are wonderful relationships to cultivate. It's so necessary to have. I think so. As well as just generally speaking, I think having people in your life who inspire you, who are living passionate lives, who are not sitting on the sidelines um, watching the parade go by all the time. I mean, nothing wrong, nothing wrong with being on the sidelines watching parades, but if that's your entire life, um, I, I think it's important to have influences that pull you out of bed, that pull you off the sidelines and onto the playing field, um, whether it's activities or people or things to look forward to. I mean, I think of adventure, for instance, as one of the active ingredients in living passionately. And adventure, the original definition of adventure comes from a word meaning um, something about to happen. I mean, I'm thinking as an advent, celebrating the birth of Christ, all right? So an adventurous life seems to me to be one where uh, that's related to a sense of anticipation. And I think that is helped along immeasurably if you always give yourself something to look forward to. So having that as part of your life Always something to look forward to, you know, um, things that when they come up on your calendar, they just, they, they always give you a sense of uh, excitement, uh, whether it's um, a vacation coming up or a meeting with your women's group or your men's group or, 
uh, a road trip at the end of the month, take your camera out for a, for a whole weekend or whatever. You know, just always give yourself something to look forward to, I think is is important. Absolutely. Well, Greg, it's been so insightful spending time with you as always. It's always a pleasure. We're looking forward to having you back at Unity Campus in the heart of St. Petersburg. And also, please be sure, all of you, to go to Greg's website, Greg, with two Gs, com. We're looking forward to seeing you in Albuquerque. Wonderful. Um, participating in the unity movement. We look forward to seeing you as a keynote there. And thank you so much for being on our show. It's been a pleasure. Great. Thank you so much, Temple. All right. Okay, everyone, thank you so much. And um, appreciate you being part of this intentional spirit group that we have. And thank you for all that you do and participating with us online radio here at Unity. We value you and we immensely are grateful to you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for tuning into The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. If I were brave, I'd walk the razor's edge Where fools and dreamers dare to tread And never lose faith How is life working for you? Would it be okay with you if life got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful and vibrant? Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for Vibrant Living. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to make your life more vibrant. Is there something in your life you'd like help with? A dream you'd like to achieve? A relationship you'd like to improve? Call into the show toll-free for Coaching with Carla. That's Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if we're all meant to do what we secretly dream? Inspiration only takes a moment. Your friends at Unity invite you to reflect on these words from Reverend Jim Rosemurgy. Pause and take a deep breath. When you are ready, affirm silently to yourself. Sweet, sweet spirit. I desire a closer walk with you. Show me the way. I am listening. Take time now in the silence to get in touch with the spiritual guidance within you. Have faith that your next step, your unfolding, your spiritual growth is coming to you in divine order through your spiritual instinct or your spiritual knowingness. 
This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Ever notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Within you is a divine spark. As you feed your mind, body, and spirit with inspiration, the spark becomes a flame. Unity Online Radio provides the fuel to ignite your passion, creativity, and more during our special Ignite Your Life series. Tune into the series at unityonlineradio.org slash ignite. Connect with your source and ignite your life. That's unityonlineradio.org slash ignite. Within you is a divine spark. As you feed your mind, body, and spirit with inspiration, the spark becomes a flame. Unity Online Radio provides the fuel to ignite your passion, creativity, and more during our special Ignite Your Life series. Tune into the series at unityonlineradio.org slash ignite. Connect with your source and ignite your life. That's unityonlineradio.org slash ignite. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again. Don't take your dreams lying down.